I do think that using the BRG as a resource to create leaders, use the BRGs as a resource to create awareness, using the BRGs in a way to create a perspective or to open the doors to a different perspective that exists in organizations, and also to, to I think, the extension of the BRGs out, in, out into the community is another way in terms of good use of stewardship as relates to the existence of the BRGs. That's Charlie Moore, Director Organizational Development Community Physicians at Freighted Health. Charlie is talking about the various ways that employee group leaders can be good stewards of the resources their companies give them. Charlie is my guest for this first part of this episode of ERG Power Talk on being a good steward. This is ERG Power Talk and I'm your host, Joe Santana. The purpose of ERG Power Talk is to provide a forum for the exchange of great ideas and inspiration for ERG leaders, as well as others that are interested in supporting ERGs. No more waiting until the next conference and praying that you have the budget to travel to the conference in order to find great ideas and find stimulation toward action. Just subscribe and listen at your convenience. Before we begin, a quick note of thanks to our supporters and sponsors, Atrium Health, Freighter Health and Medical College of Wisconsin, and Mass Mutual. Now, let's go straight to the program. Hi, Charlie. Thanks for joining me today. Uh, you're quite welcome. So, Charlie, to start, can you tell us what your role is currently at Freighter? So my current role is that I am the director for organization development for what we call here as community physicians and also to the community hospital division. My role as relates to the BRGs is that I, along with my colleague Sherry Trent, serve as advisors to all of the BRGs. I have been part of the BRGs since the inception here several years ago, was involved in terms of putting the leadership together. Uh, for each of the uh, BRGs, as well as now serving to connect them to other aspects of some of our diversity programming here at, uh, at Freighter. So essentially, you're not a member of any one ERG or BRG group, correct? Well, actually, I'd like to say that I belong to all three of those, which is the LGBTQ, the veterans group, and also to the black African-American group. I personally, I'm African-American. But because of what I do in serving as a resource to these groups, I don't want to say that I isolate myself to any one particular group. I see myself as a member to all of those groups you know, that are currently in existence, as well as any of those that may emerge over the next few years or so. So whatever BRG there is, I will be a part of it. Got it. So what do you consider to be the resources, property, and treasure entrusted to BRG leaders by the organization that they need to be good stewards of? Now, I think there's a number of things that really you might want to consider to be, be treasures or resources. I think, um, and some of these may be uh, softer things as opposed to just a, a tool. You know, I do think that our media communicative devices in terms of having something like a workplace uh, which is the Facebook for our organization, um, which gives us an opportunity to connect throughout the organization, certainly post different things that are taking place within the uh, perspective of the BRGs and to be informed about different things that are taking place institutionally as well. I think that's one of the resources. I do think that the funding that's provided to each of the resources, each of the BRGs is a resource uh, for the uh, individuals that are engaged as well. The ability to connect to um, human capital within the organization, I think, is one of those treasures and resources that's afforded to the BRGs as well. As well as when I begin to think about resources, the BRGs are designed to particularly that allows people to grow within an organization. So I think having access and visibility, in my perspective, becomes one of those resources, too, that allows people to connect to um, entities, or shall I say, or to people and to other resources that allows them to continue in their growth and e effectiveness as employees of the organization, as well as some that are pursuing maybe leadership development. It gives them that perspective um, as well. So I think there's any number of things. There's access to community uh, resources as well. A number of our members are connected to other ERGs that exist outside of our you know, freighter environment, 
in terms of organizations that have formed somewhat of a, somewhat of a collaborative and they're connected to those and so therefore they have the benefit of networking outside of our organization as well as well as you know, joining you know community leadership development programs a number of our people have gone through you know leadership development programs that are external to freight that has been supported you know, through freighted and through the brg um, governance body so there's any number of resources that are there as well as i would tell you i think the resources too are the resources of the BRGs themselves, how they support each other, um, tap into them in terms of expertise, maybe for things that are related to their jobs or just simply related to things that are pertinent to the formulation and the progression of the BRGs as well. Yep, got it. You know, Charlie, a while back you mentioned a product called Workplace. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, the workplace, we probably, I think we implemented this probably about a year ago. And what it is, you know, as I said earlier, it's, it's a very similar to, and I think it is um, through, I think it is a Facebook book derivative. And it gives us that opportunity to connect internally, you know, very much the same way that people use Facebook in terms of reaching out, connecting, you know, and networking, you know, being informed. We actually have used it now very extensively to the extent that we um, post a lot of activities that are taking place internally on workplace. Um, we have actually had a concerted effort to drive people toward the use of workplace over the last year or so, which in many ways is replacing um, our landing page for the organization in terms of the, uh, which, was, which is called Scout. So if you're looking to find out different things about the organization, we're now referring people to go to workplace, you know, connect to that, you know, create an account, uh, you know, certainly join the various groups that are there. In essence, um, it really is our, our corporate Facebook is what it is. And it gives us that opportunity to reach out, you know, to see the many different things that are taking place within the organization. There could be things such as walks or community events that are coming about, blood drives, you know, changes within the organization in terms of leadership changes or structures, implementation of new strategies, all of those pieces are now being placed into workplace. And we drive all of our employees there to take a look at it, uh, to see what's going on, to stay well-informed, you know, as employees of the system. So it really is, in essence, our Facebook. That sounds great. Thanks for sharing that with us. So going back to our main topic here about being a, a good steward, why do you think it's really important for people that are in ERG, BRG leadership roles or executive sponsors to really be good stewards of these different resources that the organization puts at their disposal? You know, and particularly, I, I would say, um, you know, many organizations, I think, there's a lot of people that don't understand the purpose and the existence of BRGs and ERGs. So I think when you begin to say, because this is not, you know, BRGs really become more of a cost center where, you know, you're, there's an expenditure of funds. You know, there's no, no money making ventures that take place typically with BRGs. And so I think in terms of good stewardship, there is the need for the BRGs to prove their value, prove their work at worth, I think. I think that's the reason for good stewardship. The other thing that I think, or several things I think, as to why BRGs, you know, in, in terms of stewardship, is that the fact that it creates a platform for us to touch populations and to be active and engaging in ways that's going to help them be connected and to develop, whereas there may not be other essence out there that's doing that for them. And I think the stewardship of it, the effective stewardship of it, allows the BRGs to continue to exist and to continue to show that there's a value and the existence and the utility of the BRGs. I do think that the stewardship of the BRGs really requires the appropriate alignment of resources um, in terms of the promotion of it, in terms of what it means, you know, as a product of the organization. And just simply the fact that this is something that will help to drive the organization forward in many different ways. It's not just always along the lines of just you know, minor minority issues or uh, disparate group issues. There are other 
groups that are out there that certainly has the ability to drive the organization forward, you know, through the, their, um, through the fact that they're presented as a resource to the organization. And therefore, you know, with that being the case, there is the benefit of effective stewardship in those groups. Got it. So, Charlie, if you were to list out some ways of being a good steward of those resources, what would be on your list? First and foremost, I would say certainly, you know, whatever funds that are um, provided for you, make sure that there's an effective use of the funds that support you as a BRG. The other good stewardship, I would say, comes to the extent that the BRGs should align themselves collectively. I don't think that BRG should exist without having some cross-pollination, shall I say, with other BRGs within the organization to the extent that I think they begin to maximize their resources. Uh, and that, re that, that um, maximization could be the fact that there could be other leaders in BRGs that can be certainly a benefit to leaders and others by maybe the base of an expertise that they have or perspective that they have. You know, I think if you can begin to encapsulate that and begin to say that simply because you're a member of one BRG doesn't mean that you can't be impactful in another BRG, um, I, I think we're missing an opportunity in that regard. And I think that would be good stewardship in terms of using your human capital and perspective in that regard. Um, so I think that's one of, one of the ways to do it as well. But I do think that um, it's simply just in terms of using – um, the BRG as a resource to create leaders, use the BRGs as a resource to create awareness, using the BRGs in a way to create a perspective or to open the doors to a different perspective that exists in organizations, and also to, I think, the extension of the BRGs out into, out into the community is another way in terms of using the BRG as, as stewards and, you know, good use of stewardship perspective as relates to the existence of the BRGs. That's great. Talk to me a little bit more about aligning with other BRGs. I think you started going in that direction, but I'd love to hear a little more. I think you mentioned that that's a good way to maximize the use of human capital inside mm -hmm. the, in, in the BRGs. Do you have an example that you can share? Uh, let me use one from some years ago, uh, prior to my coming to Freighter. I was at an organization uh, several years ago, and um, there was 11 different BRGs or ERGs, as they were called at this organization. There was a project that had emerged for one of the ERGs, whereas they didn't have the expertise you know, from the perspective of leadership that, that was required in terms of creating a business plan, in terms of communicating outwardly to the organization and to the community about their perspective about what they wanted to do with this project. So they went to leaders of another BRG because they were aware of, this, of these individuals' um, reputation for getting things done in, in terms of executing strategies. So they went to those individuals and said, would you please help us with this, which is prime. And from that point on, those other individuals, you know, two, two different BRGs were working together on the same project. And so I think that was an alignment of the, and the utility of leadership within two groups. So if you can see, whereas there is a certain expertise or skill that members of another BRG has, I do suggest that you know, those BRGs tap into those other ones um, for that same, you know, to use those skills. I don't think that BRGs are very effective in, in working in isolation. You know, when you begin to look at the missions and the goals of BRGs, they're very similarly aligned you know, for the purpose of the organization. So with that being the case, I do think there's a benefit in terms of cross-pollinating or sharing of resources, you know, whether that's the human capital. I think there's a benefit in, in, in BRG sharing that capital so that they can all move progressively forward as relates to some of their goals and some of their values and missions um, that they are embracing for the strategic benefit of the organization. Yeah, you know, as I'm listening to you, it sounds like what you're talking about is a network of stewards, of people who are stewards of these resources. Exactly. So you have these different BRG leaders, and as stewards of 
resources that are specific to particular groups, whether ERG or BRG groups, then they work together as a team of stewards and maximize or multiply the output that's coming out of those resources. So tell me, what do you do as a team to encourage that type of behavior and teamwork between those BRG, ERG leaders? Now, what we do on a monthly basis um, with my colleague, um, Sherry Tron and Andres Gonzalez, is that we do have a monthly meeting of all of the BRG leaders where they come and share some of the, the ideas, projects that they're working on. And from that, we can begin to ascertain whether or not there is a need for those individuals to begin to work together and move a project forward. So we do have that meeting. and We are always constantly encouraging them to work together uh, to achieve their goals and to achieve their missions. So it isn't something that's, 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 that's vague. You know, we are pretty emphatic about them working together to make sure that they're getting movement and to tap into each other's resources. But as I said a moment ago or several minutes ago, ultimately their goals are very, very similar. And ultimately, their, you know, what's expected of them and what's needed of them is the fact that we want them to have moved the organization forward. And we can't do that by having disparate units. They have to be cohesive units. And that's what we encourage. Got it. So let's say, for example, Charlie, that I am a new ERG or BRG leader, and you are giving me an orientation, getting me ready, and you want to make sure that I know exactly what to do to be a good steward. Based on the advice that you just gave in general, how would you present that to me as this new BRG leader? What are some of the things that you would say, Joe, here are some of the things that you need to do to be a good steward of this group and collectively of this effort within the organization? Mm-hmm. The first thing I'm going to say is really is going to be um, somewhat insular uh, and more directed toward the specific development of that BRG <clears throat> to the extent that I want to make sure that you align or make sure you discover what the resources are of that group in terms of your strengths and your weaknesses of the group and, and in regards to that and begin to align those members of your group with the resources that's going to help them to develop. The other piece of it as, as that I will suggest is to begin to reach out to the groups that have been in, in, in existence for any length of time. Talk to them about what they did to formulate the group. Talk to them about how they created their teams and um, you know, um, in terms of going through those various stages of you know, team development and team performance. What did they do? What was the challenges? How did you mitigate those? How did you begin to bring energy to the group? Um, and as you started to formulate, you know, what did you do in terms of reaching out to connect to other teams? And so my suggestion would be to network, 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 both in terms of the BRGs, you know, throughout the organizations, tap into your executive sponsors, ask them questions in regards to what may be some of the um, elements of the organization that you have at your disposal, ask one of the leaders and also to ask a member of the BRG. And make sure that you can constantly stand aligned to the you know, strategic goals of the organization, which you, know, you, by coming into the BRG existence, means that you are aligning yourself with that and make sure that that becomes you know, certainly you know, your carrot that continues to drive you. And so that would be the advice I would give to new formulating BRGs and to constantly really just be aware of the resources, be aware of your people, be aware of what may be as a leader, you as a leader, what you need to do to continue to develop and certainly help pollinate the development of your cabinet, shall I say, in terms of the other leaders within your group, as well as the uh, individuals that are members to the group as well. Excellent. Thank you for that. So on that note, Charlie, we are going to end. Uh, thank you again for joining me today. I think that uh, this was you know, really a good discussion around what VRG leaders need to do in order to really be good stewards. Uh, the word good shepherd keeps coming up in my head as well yeah, yeah. of the different resources uh, that are made available to them in order to get the maximum benefit for the members, the community, as well as the organization. So thanks again for joining me today. Joseph, you're welcome. And thanks for the invitation to ask me to speak with you. So here's what I got from Charlie. One, 
There are clearly many ways that employee group leaders can be good stewards who invest the resources at their disposal for top returns. And two, a lot of these ways involve partnering to support business efforts in their organizations. Coming up, our panel is going to explore what needs to be in place in order for good stewardship to flourish in employee networks. In fact, we're going to look at how good stewardship has enabled some employee networks to produce so much value that they were able to secure up to $100,000 in budget from their organizations. All this and more when we return, but first this. ERG Power Talk is made possible through the support and sponsorship of Atrium Health, Freudert Health and Medical College of Wisconsin, and Mass Mutual. These are companies that are leading the advancement of ERG practices way beyond the confines of their organizations. Thank you. Now back to our podcast. Welcome back. Let's meet our panel. From Atos, a global leader in digital transformation, we have Denise Reed Lamoureux, Global Chief Diversity Officer. From EE Pulse, a technology and human capital consulting firm, we have CEO Teresa M. Wellborn, PhD. And from McCormick and Company, a global leader in flavor that manufactures, markets, and distributes spices, seasoning, and condiments, we have Nettie Perez, global head of diversity and inclusion and their talent management center of excellence. Thank you all for joining me today. So, Denise, I'm going to address my first question to you, which is tell us a little bit about you and your experience working with employee networks. So my experience goes back probably closing in on 20, 25 years at this point when I worked for Electronic Data Systems or EDS. And we were looking to start to align our employees around common causes. This was sort of early days of employee resource groups, affinity groups, whatever um, the company decides to call them. And so when we were having initial discussions about what something should look like, how we would go about it, etc., we decided that we would just kind of go for it and see what would happen. So the first ERG we established was for um, women who worked at EDS, and that was a global group. There were about, at its heyday, probably about 40,000 members across the, the countries where we had employees list, living and working. And, you know, we hosted events, we planned um, things around International Women's Day and things along these lines. And then other ERGs began to spring up and they were for, you know, like our African-American employees, they were for our Asian-American employees, they were for our LGBT employees, etc. And so we eventually decided we would need a, like a council where we would have a, a member from each of those representative groups meet on a quarterly basis to talk about what was going on, what each other was focusing upon, and create synergies between those groups so we could do joint presentations and events and so forth. Then I moved over to Hewlett-Packard because... HP purchased EDS, and I did the same kind of thing there, starting up those ERGs, developing an awards program for volunteers, because as you know, employee resource group activities are performed probably 99.99% on top of a person's regular day job. So we wanted to reward these people for their going way above and beyond. And so we started an awards program. And then I moved into Autos Corporation just about five years ago now and spearheaded the development of the employee resource groups that exist for us now, kind of incorporating a lot of the same structure and some of the same types of rationales behind these groups and establishing another program to reward our volunteers. So it's been a, you know, a rewarding opportunity for me now that I'm in a full-time diversity and inclusion role to see these, these groups come of age, so to speak, and begin to make a real impact amongst their peers and provide insights and information to them so that they in turn can do a better job within their own roles. Yeah, that's great. Teresa, same question for you. 
I um, actually started learning about ERGs when I was on the faculty first at Cornell University and then I moved to University of Michigan. And even though I had been doing work for a lot of years in the HR space and teaching, doing consulting, doing research, um, it was when I walked into the doors of General Motors and learned about their ERGs that I first heard of the term ERG. So I went back to all my very world famous faculty and asked them if they'd ever heard of an ERG. No one knew what I was talking about. And then I started looking at HR textbooks and realized there's this phenomenon going on in organizations <laughs> that started in the 1960s that to me was pretty amazing and none of us were doing research on it. Now this is really unusual in the world of academics. Um, so because there's seemed to be a need. Um, I was really interested in starting up a rigorous research project on ERGs. You know, asking questions like, do they work? And what are they working at doing? And, you know, how, what are the conditions under which they work? What impact are they having? And as part of that, we started something called the ERG Leadership Summit. So every year, starting in 2012, we started getting together ERG leaders from multiple companies and then also collecting data from ERG members in those companies. And from 2012 to today, we've really tried to take a very data-rich approach to learning about ERGs. Yeah, I remember. In fact, you and I met, you were on a panel that I moderated several years ago, and you talked a little bit about the work that you were doing and the data that you were that you were collecting. I don't know if you were beginning at that point or, or where you were in the process, but it sounds like you've come a long way since then. I see a lot of stuff come from you all the time, especially on LinkedIn. Yeah, and we've, um, because there really aren't many people doing this work, a number of faculty from around the world have reached out to me, and now we have a team of about 12 people that are all trying to really make contributions in the research space. And with all of the changes that ERGs are going through now, I mean, you talk about you know, ERGs versus BRGs. And yes. you know, there's so much um, for us not to just catch up on, but to learn as everything evolves. Yep. Yep. Thank you for that. So, Nettie, uh, same question for you. Um, so, actually, I got involved with the ERGs um, back in, ooh, I want to say, 2000 or so when I actually joined an ERG, the Hispanic ERG at um, Shell Oil, got involved with them and thought it was really interesting that they were really doing a lot of social activities, but I didn't see them aligning to some of the core business strategies and work that, that was happening in the organization. And so um, moved from being a member to then being leader of an ERG. And then eventually, um, through other work that I was doing, um, ended up becoming um, a manager of diversity and inclusion where I was managing uh, groups of ERGs. And so I, um, to the other speaker's comments, Teresa's comments, I, I found that they were tremendously valuable to the organization and certainly valuable in being an extension to the diversity office in terms of helping to promote diversity and inclusion awareness, but also increasing awareness about leadership development opportunities or addressing gaps that maybe the HR function wasn't looking at in terms of ethnic minority skills needs, and then also even aligning them to recruiting efforts. And so over, well, I guess since 20, yeah, since 2000, I've worked on a number of ERG councils, advisory groups, um, worked with some academic institutions in uh, generating uh, articles and research around uh, the importance of ERGs to the diversity and inclusion offices. That's great. Thank you. So let's move into our topic for today, which is good stewardship. Now, I know I'm going to mangle it a little bit, but there's an old Bible story that I remember from uh, years ago. This story makes a great point about stewardship. In the story attributed to Jesus, a nobleman who leaves his house for an extended period of travel entrusted his property to three of his servants. Now, he did it according to the abilities of each servant. So, each one received a certain amount of money called talents to invest. And back then, in those days, a talent was worth about 16 years of labor wages. So one servant received five talents. The second servant received two talents. And the third servant received one talent. Upon returning home after a long absence, the nobleman 
takes aside his three servants for an account of the money he entrusted to them. The first and second servants explained that they put the money to work and have doubled the value of the property with which they were entrusted. And in response to this, the nobleman rewards these two servants by investing more in them. However, when the nobleman turns to the servant who had received the one talent, that servant reports that he buried the money and was now returning exactly what he had received. This fellow, as noted in the story, had not even bothered to deposit the money in a bank where at least the nobleman would have gotten some interest. Therefore, the story says the nobleman took the money that the servant had returned and gave it to the one who had doubled the value of the largest investment. And then he threw out the servant who did not provide a return on his investment. So the moral of the story is that those who do well with a little get more, but those who do poorly even what they have will be taken away from them. And I think we see that today when it comes to ERG, BRG budgets. If you show good stewardship with the investment that you get, you get more. But groups that produce small to zero measurable results will get less and less and perhaps even nothing. So clearly being a good steward is important to ERG and BRG leaders that want to keep getting increasing support. So my question is this, what are the elements that support good stewardship? Nettie, I'm going to stay with you for that question. Joe, that, that is um, a little bit of a hard question because having worked at five different corporations and led diversity and inclusion in several of them, um, what I found is that organizations are really all over the place still. Um, in today's marketplace with regards to leveraging the talents capabilities of their employees within ERGs or BRGs or affinity groups. I find some still call them affinity groups. Um, and so I, I think that there's still a level of education that needs to happen with regards to leadership within the organizations around how they can leverage the best of, of their employees through the involvement of ERGs or BRGs, et cetera. Um, but some of the things that we still find are a lot of companies still put money into the EAGs, ERGs. Um, usually what I've found is over the course of the last 10 years or so, the level of funding has gone down um, to about $5,000, maybe $3,000 uh, per group. Um, sometimes the groups don't have a clear set mission, um, but rather are still doing social activities. So there's a lack of aligning the groups to core business goals and objectives. Um, so they're at different stages. Um, and then in terms of really investing in the employees, um, oftentimes there are some general guidelines um, around activities and programs and aligning them to help support and raise awareness around the various heritage months, but not a lot of structure. And so, so a lot of my time with other companies has been really spent on trying to put in structure for the EHEs, ERGs, um, and BRGs so that um, there is some focus around leadership development, education around the company strategy or the company's HR goals and objectives. And then I find when we do that, we can really mobilize the employees because they bring a lot of energy and excitement and do want to have an impact. And so when you are able to educate them about what are the critical areas that the company is facing, and then create an environment for them to contribute to those areas. Then you find that the investment that might be put in, whether it's the three or $5,000, um, ends up having a greater impact in the organization in terms of what you can measure as far as a return um, of result. But unless there's structure, unless there is guidance, what you end up with are groups of employees that might be engaged in social activities, and for some that might feel good, but then they don't see their own personal development being advanced, or they don't see themselves growing in an organization, and so then they get frustrated and then they leave. And so it's really critical that 
with the ERGs that there is some guidance and structure put in place that allows them to be successful because basically the people that join ERGs or BRGs are the ones that have a passion for the company, that really want to get involved and make a difference. And they're doing this um, beyond their regular work. And so, so that's, you know, my answer for that question, because I think that they bring tremendous value, um, but that oftentimes they're still underutilized in organizations. Yeah, that's a great point. So, so in essence, you know, uh, what you're saying is it's not enough just to give resources and say, here's a couple, you know, here's $3,000, $4,000, an executive sponsor and the meeting room and then expect them to sort of figure out how to do all the other stuff. There are other components to it that the organization has to also supply. Uh, Denise, I'm going to bring you into this now. What are some of your thoughts around this? Well, I completely agree with what has just been said. You know, it is on top of these people's day jobs. And yet we, um, we see great results come from that passion. And you're right. It's usually the same type of people who volunteer. And actually, sometimes they're involved in more than one of the resource groups because they have this innate need to help and help the company grow and succeed, et cetera. But as far as resources go, you know, you mentioned executive sponsors. And although an executive sponsor certainly can give more credibility and clout to an employee resource group, you have to be able to not only talk the talk, but walk the walk as that executive sponsor too. So just stamping your name onto, I approve of this group, isn't enough. You know, you really need the support from our leaders to be able to see effective change come out of these employee resource groups ideas. And it isn't even so much the budget, although you're right, budgets do keep decreasing in, in areas that they consider extra and I use air quotes around that word extra because we all know how vital these uh, these organizations really are. But what ends up happening is, you know, the people who are these staunch and solid volunteers are told by their leaders, you need to push back on that a little bit because there's more work to be done. And if we really want these groups to be successful, we need to celebrate more of what they are accomplishing. We need to tie it back to our business goals. And that's something that we have done um, in the last year and a half at my company at Autos, where we have made participation in the resource groups part of people's objectives. And they are being measured against you know, what, the, what they're contributing from a perspective of either attending events or helping to plan them. And in turn, for the first time ever, our leaders, part of their compensation package is tied to employee engagement. And so as a result of that, we're seeing more and more leaders encouraging their people to be engaged and involved. We have had an increase in the number of employee resource groups, uh, quite, quite an increase in the past year, and the number of people who are now members of them. Plus, we've signed some charters that are out there in the ether. Um, we signed the AARP's charter for employee support for our people who are 50 plus. We signed what's called the Parity.org's pledge that states we're going to be focusing on promoting women into C-suite level roles. Um, in Europe, we signed a, something called the Valuable 500, which is signed by our company CEO and talks about how we're supporting people with differing abilities. And we also signed um, the UN's Standard of Conduct of Business Charter for LGBT support, and in France, what they call Les Outre-Cirque, which is another charter in support of LGBT rights. So now that we've put some, you know, some credibility around all of these activities, we're seeing more and more engagement in the employee resource groups because our people are recognizing the fact that our leaders are there to support. So I think one of the biggest resources we can give is those leaders and their commitment and their time and, and talents. 
That's a great point. So, you know, it's interesting. The story that I told was about how the recipient of the resources would go out and what they would do and how they would be rewarded for basically managing those resources well. And I think some organizations might mistakenly think that that's enough. But what the two of you are saying is, actually, it's not. And I really appreciate that. And that really does make a lot of sense is that in order to enable those ERG leaders to really be effective, to really be able to bring that much value. There are other things that the organization has to do in addition to giving resources. And you you kind of outline a number of things out there, which are really great. Teresa, from your standpoint, uh, what what has been your experience in terms of this, uh, especially with the research that you've done and some of the comments that you heard your your colleagues here on the panel uh, put forth? Yeah, and I think the the research really dovetails with what we've heard. So if I look at ERGs that have been more successful than, let's say, other ERGs, and I would define that as having an impact on the organization and having some measurable return on investment, you know, I'm probably related to something I'm going to call relational capital. So they're the ERGs that have been able to optimize the various relationships they have in their role. So let me give you some examples. Um, if I'm an ERG leader, I have a lot of relationships with my members. So if I can get my members to work together more, then what we're seeing is some of them, there's a, there's a high trust in a lot of the ERGs. And what that's leading to is more innovation. And it's also leading to people growing in their confidence levels. And One of the things we're seeing in the research is they're not just doing that in their ERG, but they're taking that back to their jobs. So if I can, if I can build those relationships and people are doing things they can't do at their day job and that can help them develop, I think that's a real plus. And you can build out what the ROI would be to the organization to having employees who are more innovative. So other relationships are with the executive sponsors. And we mentioned that earlier, you know, building those relationships, not just with the executive sponsor, but with all of the members and the rest of the leadership team. Um, ERG leaders who are willing to work with other ERG leaders, because yes, they do have limited budgets, but they can um, get a better return on investment with their budget dollars if they work with another ERG. And the nice thing about that is I'm helping my ERG members not be so closed off, but understanding what the situation is with different you know, other kind of groups that are not me in the company. And then lastly, I'd say the other relationship that is really taking off in a lot of organizations is the work with allies. Mm-hmm. You know, so because a lot of people, you know, there's, yes. there's a movement to say that, oh, maybe ERGs are a bad thing because they're not inclusive, they're exclusive. But when you bring the allies in, now what we're doing is teaching and learning. And again, I just think optimizing that relational capital which is a really important asset in any organization. Yeah, absolutely. We actually had a whole episode this season, episode seven, which focuses on the importance of allies. So I couldn't agree more. So Teresa, you started going into some of the benefits that can come out of you know, good stewardship, which clearly is the result of not only having resources, but also having some of those other support pillars that both Denise and Nettie mentioned. So I'd like to stay with that a little bit. So Nettie, I'm going to go back to you. So with the those support pillars in place, in addition to the provision of resources. What are some of the some of the good stewardship effects that you've seen come out uh, out of ERGs or BRGs? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, so in the onboarding piece, for instance, um, we know from studies um, in the human resources space that an average employee that joins a new organization more than likely has decided within three to six months whether or not they're going to stay within that organization. And one piece that is a determining factor on whether or not they decide to stay is how they acculturate to the organization. How quickly do they adapt to the unwritten rules or to the the things that will help them be successful? And do they have a network within the organization that allows them to build relationships quickly? And so, for me, I, I think one of the areas that the EAGs or ERGs have a tremendous impact or opportunity for impact, and I've seen this work in several companies, is 
being part of that onboarding process of welcoming um, new employees to the organization and helping them navigate through the culture of the organization, particularly in that first year, which is so critical for folks. And then the second part is really around the recruiting process as well in terms of being able to um, support recruiting initiatives, whether it be going out to uh, early career um, events such as college campus recruiting events or going out to professional career recruiting events and being able to speak about their own experience in the organization. So that brand ambassador, for instance, is really critical. And then the third area, and I think you alluded this to this, Joe, is this whole piece around bringing ideas to improve or enhance the business's um, capabilities, whether it's generating savings to the organization or finding and sharing new areas of revenue uh, capacity building. And so um, one of the things that I really love about McCormick is we've got what's called um, these uh, flavor solutions opportunities where um, we invite our employees to participate in taste testings. And so some of our employee resource groups have participated, particularly like our Latino employee resource group, participated in the development of a new mayonnaise um, um, that has a cilantro, but also that um, ha um, has a little bit of jalapeno in it. And so when you have the opportunity to bring in employees that represent a particular um, aspect of diversity that can contribute to product development um, that can be really magical because that can impact the business bottom line of the organization. Yep. So those are just a few areas. Yeah, no, that's great. And Denise, what are some of the areas that you've seen? You know, obviously, I work in a global organization. So it's, it's back to that word relationship and that word trust, and that word partner. So what you find are synergies that get created in this volunteerism that also impact their work lives in a positive sense. So you've been in this ERG group, you've gotten to know someone who's in the Netherlands through this ERG activity. And then you're in a meeting and someone is talking about a particular topic and you say, hey, wait a minute, I actually know someone who knows something about that. Let me reach out to that individual and, you know, get their perspective, their information, etc. So, you know, it, they start off as a more personal cause, but then it also impacts their professional lives, too, in a positive manner. So that's one thing that comes out of it. And then, you know, for some of our more underrepresented um, employees, this is a real a chance for people to see them in a different light. For example, our Millennials um, Affinity Group, which obviously is comprised of our younger employees, I had several women who were part of that group who had never presented in front of an audience of any shape or form, and yet all of them identified that as something they really wanted to focus upon to move forward with their career development. So just last month, all three of them presented at one of our webinars, which was the Millennials' best attended webinar to date. And all three of them did a terrific job. As a matter of fact, one of their managers who was present for this particular webinar has gone so far to um, bring a Toastmaster Club to their site because he was so impressed with the improvement he saw in these three women in such a short period of time that he's decided to devote some energies and some funding to Toastmaster on site for the rest of the people that work in that group. So there's all these hidden gems that come out of these opportunities that then impact their professional lives profoundly. And it may mean at some point in time, you may have mentioned that you were interested in a career in XYZ and somebody else from the affinity group remembers that. And when a role comes open in XYZ on their team, they contact you and say, are you interested? And it can really have a very long lasting impact on people's development and growth and movement. Absolutely. You know, I really love your story about the executive who decided to invest 
in Toastmasters for the group. That's a good example of how once you begin to show good stewardship and you produce results, then the organization begins to see that there's a potential for getting more out of the group and then begins to make more investments. But to, to your point, to the point that all of you have made, that good stewardship comes not just from the ERG or BRG leader kind of fighting the battle on their own, but a combination of the organization providing also some other support mechanisms in addition to that initial seed money in terms of budget or other resources that they may provide. So my next question, and Teresa, I'm going to address this to you, is what are some of the losses to both the organization as well as leaders when some of these dynamics are not in place, when resources are not provided or resources are provided, but without any kind of structural guideline or support? Yeah, that's a very good question. I, you know, I think that it's the same kind of losses you'd see in a department that doesn't uh, deliver. So if the circumstances result in the ERG not being able to show any sort of business outcomes, then they're questioned, they're given less resources, and you see that uh, they don't get more members, and membership is really important. And that's, that's one of the things we've seen between new and older ERGs. And um, some of the older ERGs have not necessarily been delivering, and they find that they're not getting enough members, and that they don't have enough members to do the work. I mean, one or two leaders can't do all the work. Yeah. So it's that um, disinterest by members that then leads to not getting the outcomes they want. And, and the opposite when they do well, I mean, I was going to mention this because we were talking about budgets. We've actually run into two uh, companies that are giving each of their ERGs $100,000 each. Wow. That's yeah, that's significant. <laughs> it is. And the reason for that is the members are doing good work. They're getting good recognition, but they're also learning how to um, document their ROI. Yes. So I think part of this, it's, it's some, you might get all the resources, but if you can't tell a story either in a formal ROI analysis or, you know, what I would call an ROI story, then no one's going to know you did a good job. So there's not, there's not doing a good job with the resources, and then there's doing a good job and nobody knowing about it. And particularly if these leaders are rotating out every couple of years, that's a really important step to help build the strength of the ERG. Yeah, I completely agree with you, Teresa. I'm, that piece around ROI um, as a skill set, learning how to tell that story, also learning to pick the kinds of items and projects that you're going to focus on that will have impact on the business so that you can then have a story. Those are really critical skill sets. And what I keep running into is as long as ERGs have been around and BRGs have been around, there's still so many that because they rotate every two years or so, that you have a fresh group of individuals coming in, but that piece around the training and the skills development piece, conversation doesn't always happen. And so, um, like you, I've, I've, I've tried to build um, a basic toolkit that we can share with the ERGs and BRGs so that they can hand it off to the next group coming in. But it feels like this is an area where we continue to try and reinvent the wheel um, in, in several corporations. I've worked at five companies now, and, and I find that um, that happens every time I join an organization. There's this breakdown. Even though you've got really incredible, talented people, and um, great skill sets in place. So I wonder if you've come across any um, examples of best practices on how to do that knowledge transference um, through some of your studies. I mean, you know, I'm running into the same thing you are in that all companies are doing things differently. But there's, there's one um, example that comes to mind. I think it's uh, Lenovo. They just recently, mm -hmm. I hope I get this right, I think they took away a lot of their ERG-specific structure and basically said to the employees, hey, we know how to do teams. We know how to organize groups. Let's just use the processes that are in our company overall to do our ERG work. And from what I understand, they're having some luck with that. So I wonder if sometimes we're trying to reinvent the wheel in our company when we have the resources 
um, for other kinds of teamwork and innovation teams. Mm -hmm. That's a very good point. Uh, Denise, let's bring you into this conversation as well. What are some of the things you've seen along those lines? You know, I, I think some of the successes come from the fact that we have tied our DNI work so closely back to um, our ethics and compliance and our um, recruiting efforts and our corporate social responsibility um, reporting and so forth, that people are beginning to see the value that these um, ERGs are bringing, as well as the various programs we have in play for our different pillars of our DNI programming. But it all comes down to that word belonging. And belonging, as you know, was mentioned, Nettie um, talked about earlier that people will leave a company if they don't feel like they belong there. It's part of that training and that grounding of being in an ERG, what some of the um, responsibilities are and what some of the advantages are and you know, the, the basic best practices is critical to that. So we have, you know, quarterly diversity operations board meetings, which is a big highfalutin way of saying we get everybody together and we talk about best practices and we talk about successes and we also talk about things that just didn't get lifted off and, you know, really kind of dig into that. Not only can they learn from one another and share information and, you know, whole programs that were delivered, but they can also talk about what didn't work and why and maybe do a postmortem as to why the things didn't work out or get suggestions on how to make a, a reboot of, of whatever they were working on and so forth. So all of that effort really goes a long way towards keeping the confidence level up of these people because, you know, it can be um, difficult sometimes when you have an idea in your head that you think is going to be picture perfect and the reality of it is something different. So it's, it's keeping those people motivated and inspired that's just as important as the work itself. And it goes back to, to that, that, that simple trust and that respect and, you know, behaving in an ethical manner so that everybody is, you know, on the same page and so forth that is really foundational to that. Yeah, that's great. And, you know, just going back very quickly to something Teresa said before that startled everybody when she said that she knew of a particular group that was getting $100,000 a group. Uh, I think that that's a great example of how when you are able to perform, when you're able to produce results, when you're able to measure those results, when the pillars are in place yeah. uh, to support good performance, and then the people, the actors that are inside those pillars are able to perform well, then you start this virtuous cycle where the organization will invest more because it sees more. The opposite, of course, is if the organization doesn't see a lot of return on investment, and that may be as a result of what the ERG leader is doing or not doing, but it could also be as a result of the organization itself and what it hasn't put in place or needs to put in place. Uh, then the organization sort of goes the other way. So that brings me to my next question, which I'm going to start. I'm going to stay with you right now, Denise, on this one, which is if I am an ERG leader in an organization listening to this podcast and I want to have better stewardship of my group, I need to look obviously at more than just my own performance, although that's one of the components. I need to look at a lot of different things. What would you advise that I do in order to self-assess what is it that I need in order to step up and level up my game? Well, you know, having it be one of your objectives, personal development objectives, it is really a way to take a look at things. Obviously, always doing a SWOT analysis is another good way to really figure out where you could really make improvements. Asking for peer feedback is another good way. Asking your leader to really give you some pointed ideas about how that ERG could grow and, and develop and so forth. Paying attention to what other companies are doing. Um, even partnering with one of your clients or partners or suppliers to deliver an event in conjunction with them because that you know builds that sense of being a trusted partner in your work with them. And all of those types of opportunities can go a long way towards leveling up. And as you 
reach out and widen your circle, you'll find that you have a greater opportunity for success. You know, we have a tendency to ask for feedback from people we have an affinity with because they've said something complimentary towards us in the past or we've shared the same opinion in a meeting and so forth. And so, of course, they're always going to say, great job. But when we start to ask for feedback from people who may be peripherally involved with us um, through the ERGs or even through another ERG that you've had some interactions with, we will really get a better indication of areas where we could improve. And that's when the change comes and people will really have um, an opportunity to make a difference. Excellent. Thank you. And so, Nettie, I'm going to jump over to you now. Uh, so, let's say, for example, I do all this stuff, and now I'm getting my own personal ducks in a row. Since you brought up this topic, I want to kind of bring it back to you again. Now that I've got my own ducks in a row, now the next question is the organizational piece, right? right? Do I have, am I standing on a platform where I can succeed? And if I'm not, then what should I do about it? Well, I think this is where the executive sponsor is really critical. So actually earlier today, I met with one of our ERGs and they were sharing with me that their executive sponsor has not been very engaged in, in some of the things that they're going. So I asked them some questions and um, it, it turned out that, you know, and, and here we're building some skill sets, right? Um, they had not engaged their executive sponsor in conversations around what are some of the critical strategies that the company is moving forward on? How, how can we make sure that other leaders in the organization know who we are and what we can bring to the table? And so some of those questions weren't asked. So I think this is where it's an opportunity to have an ERG leader um, connect with their executive sponsor and, and ask for, where is the company headed? What are some opportunities that you think we can play a role in? How would you advise us if we're building out a strategy for our group and we're moving away from you know, doing social activities but really want to have a business impact, what are some of the things that are happening in the organization that you think we should be paying attention to? And maybe even put that executive sponsor on the spot and have them do a workshop to help educate the members of the leadership team of the ERG on the direction of the organization so that they can then begin to build some activities around how to engage other members. Um, the other piece is also true for HR. So, you know, asking um, as an ERG leader of the HR function, where do we have the highest need for talent acquisition? Um, how can we help? You know, what events and conferences or activities is the talent acquisition team planning to participate in? Where can we be of help in recruiting or serving as brand ambassadors? Um, and then also connecting with CSR, um, the corporate social responsibility team. Uh, we just had a, a charity week here. And one of the things that our a leader for CSR did was he engaged all the EAGs and asked them to identify a nonprofit organization that was relevant to their particular community so that we could invite them in and have some information sharing about where and how employees could get involved. Well, you don't have to wait for the CSR leader to ask you. It's, it would be really great for the EAG or ERG to go and ask that CSR leader about what kinds of activities are you planning to do in the community? How can we help? Can we help coordinate? Could we serve as a brand ambassador, an event? Those kinds of things. One of the things that I found is a lot of um, ERGs, BRGs that maybe do not get the $100,000 level of funding um, miss out on is a lot of times corporations have uh, corporate sustainable um, activities planned where they have made a contribution or have um, a, a program for uh, employees that volunteer where the company will match dollars whether they write a check or whether they actually volunteer hours. 
and or maybe are offering scholarships or opportunities for employees of the company. And a lot of times, ERGs do not connect with the CSR group so that they can help promote those activities or take advantage of those volunteer dollars that the company might be matching. Um, so there are some other opportunities out there um, that I think as an ERG leader or BRG leader um, would make sense to say, okay, executive sponsor, you know, where do you think we can get involved? HR, you know, how can we be of help to you? Or CSR, you know, tell us what programs you've got going on. Yep, absolutely. Thank you for that. So, Teresa, I'm going to give you the last question on this to kind of wrap it up for us. Anything on either camp, what the ERG leader can do themselves as self-improvement or what they can do to marshal more support from the organization? Yes. Oh, I think that we've had some really good ideas already. Um, I'd probably add two. One is that they can learn from other ERG leaders at different organizations. So again, I've been running this conference every year where I watch the ERG leaders meet people who are in a similar ERG and just walk away with some really good ideas because company, they're, they're creative at other places, something that's, you know, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. And there are groups on LinkedIn. I'm sure you know you have resources you could um, suggest, um, and you know, that's just a really great way to learn. And I know a lot of local communities also in cities have events where they're celebrating ERGs and DNI. And my second suggestion would be to really think about your ERG leadership role from a data perspective. So you know, running monthly activities um, that look like parties is not necessarily going to impress the rest of the organization. So being able to report as much data as you can and then you know, building credibility helps you as an individual and will help the ERG and the future leaders of that ERG. Yep, absolutely. And on that note, we're going to end. I want to thank Denise. I want to thank Teresa and Nettie for their contribution of ideas. I think it's been a dynamic session. I really enjoyed it, and I hope that my listeners do as well. Thank you, folks. Thank you, Joe. Thanks, everyone. Bye now. So here's what I got out of this episode. Good stewardship is important toward getting and continuing to grow your support. To be a good steward, employee group leaders need one, resources, two, strong organizational support in addition to those resources, and three, investments in developing themselves into strong, effective leaders. So if you're looking for more budget, you're looking for more support from the organization, start by asking yourself, what do I need to do to become a better steward? Thank you for tuning in to ERG Power Talk. If you enjoyed and got value out of this program, please like us and leave a favorable review at your podcast provider's site. Also, invite others to listen to the show. I'm Joe Santana, and thanks again for tuning in. Oh, 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 oh,